If I ramble today, I just want to give you a heads up. You know, I'm older now. And recently, in the last two to three months, I started increasing my font size in my notes. I forgot. So I may or may not be able to see my notes today. So if I start rambling and Jesus takes the wheel, then you'll know what happened. I'll just tell you up front. Who's glad to be in church today? Come on, lighten up a little bit. It's good to be here today. I'm excited. How about Stranger Things? Uh Uh-huh. Has anybody experienced any Stranger Things in the last two weeks? Hands. Anybody? Anybody? Good things? Who who has, has God shown up for in the last couple of weeks that you know that God showed up because you couldn't do what was done? Or you couldn't make the way that was made? Stranger things happen when you put your faith in Jesus. And you may not be able to explain it. You may not be able to reason it away, but stranger things happen when you put your faith in Jesus. We're very cerebral individuals, human beings. We like to think things through, and we like to have a solution, and we like to fix things. You can't be cerebral with Jesus because he doesn't make any sense. Doesn't the Bible say that his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts? That's really how it is. We can't reason away what God does. We can't sometimes even quantify what God does because it, it, just, it just defies logic that we put on it and it defies parameters that we set. I'm excited today, y'all. It's going to be a good day. It's already been a good day. So I'm enjoy- you may not enjoy Stranger Things, but I'm enjoying Stranger Things. Andrew wrote in week one gave you an idea of what to expect. Last week, Pastor Andrew talked about provision, and that was, that was good stuff. My hope in this series is this, that we, I believe we need to stretch, everybody say stretch, stretch, stretch our minds and our expectations of God, stretch our minds and our expectations of God. We, we tend to compartmentalize our lives rather efficiently. We do. This person or this activity has this place and doesn't overlap with this part of my life. I have a family life, I have a work life, I have a school life, and I have a social life and a church life. And each part of my life has its own place. Anybody recognize what I'm talking about? We have different compartments in our life and that we keep things in. And if we're not careful, we'll try to compartmentalize God to the point where we keep him in a church box. Mm -hmm. He wants to be everywhere, all up in everything. That's where he wants to be. And when we let him get there, we're going to experience stranger and stranger things. The more we let God have control of our life and the more access we give him to us, the stranger things we will see. Let me ask an honest question right now, and I want participation for the first part of this. So help me out here. How many of us before last week would have thought to look to God or ask God to help us financially? A few of you. If you got a financial need before last week, before Pastor Andrew talked about provision last week, who would have thought if, if you have a financial need that's pressing that you would think first, first, to go to God? Some of you would. But unless a lot of you are lying to me, I'm not letting you off the hook. Unless a lot of you are lying to me, you wouldn't think initially when you have a need, when you have a problem financially to go to God. Well, when we look at him as a provider and as him supplying all of our needs according to his riches and glory, 
When we look at God like that, things change. So maybe now, instead of trying to work everything out by ourselves, initially, when a crisis happens, maybe we, we, and when we need to find extra money or we get in a tight spot, maybe we look to him first. Instead of trying to, well, where's this extra money coming from? Or how can I replace this income? Or what can happen? If we, if we start to ask him first and change our mindset, because everything happens up here, as we think in our hearts, so are we. And if we start to think along the lines of asking or seeking God first, then we're going to experience the stranger things that he wants to do in our life to supply our needs and give us provision. I believe that with all my heart. Now we're getting somewhere. We look to God for salvation. We look to God for our eternity. But not necessarily other things like money. If I need money from somewhere, wouldn't it make sense to get it from somebody who has it all? Who controls it all? Who says who does what with it? Doesn't Scripture say if, if we give, then it's given to us, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. But we tend to stop with that Scripture right there. It says, shall men give to you? That means somebody's blessing me. That means somebody's blessing you because I've been faithful. And you've been faithful. When we're faithful, God takes care of all the details. When we compartmentalize God and we don't let him in all the areas of our life, I believe that we, we, we hold one of two opinions. First, we don't want to bother God with things that we think we can manage. I don't care about hands or participation, but we think this way. I got this. This is a simple thing. This is my job. This is my responsibility. This is what I do. It may be all those things, but he wants to be bothered. You may, we, that's the first thought. I don't want to get sidetracked. That's the first thought. The second, we think he just doesn't care about those types of things. He's not concerned about those things because, again, it's our responsibility. When we compartmentalize God like this, I believe we are drastically shortchanging ourselves. As we learned last week, God does care, and I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. God does care about what we need, and he wants to help us. He wants to supply our needs, and he wants to help us. I just told you two trains of thought that we, when it comes to bothering God, and I believe we need to change that mindset completely. Instead of being worried about bothering God, I think we need to be a bother. I think we need to petition God for every single thing that we need. Every concern that we have, I think we need to go to God. Why? Because that, uh, that unleashes him to do stranger things in our life. I believe we need to adopt the Matthew 6.33 mindset. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means I change to be like him. <laughs> That's the bottom line. When I seek his righteousness, my life changes. He doesn't change to meet me. I change to meet him and become more like him. When I seek him first and I seek his righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. What's he talking about? Go back up in the chapter. It's everything we need. He wants to be the supplier of what we need. Seek him first. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to seek him first. With what? With everything. Every need before you try to fix it, before we reach out to anybody else for help, before we devise a plan. Any planners? Yeah. We got some serious type A's in the room. We do. Before we devise a plan, seek him. And I believe when we do this, compartments, the, the compartmental walls are going to start to fall. 
And God will have access to more parts of our lives, and we're going to see stranger things. I went through all this at the beginning today on purpose because today requires a big shift in our thinking. Today requires a huge shift in our thinking. Today, everybody say today. Today's stranger things topic is healing. Amen. Healing is one of those churchy things like money. Money's got a stigma in church. That the preacher's after your money and they're going to do stupid things with it and buy jets and Bentleys and stuff. <laughs> I went to a church one time in, in, in uh, North Carolina, the big church. It was an offshoot of a church in Atlanta. And, and we, we pull up and there's no cars. And we, we, we walk in, we're, we're shown to the pastor's study and we meet with him in a big conference room with a 20-foot mahogany table. And somebody said, I didn't see your car when we drove up. He's like, oh, I got a parking garage in the building. He's got the little door he drives in, parks his car in the church. That's a stigma, right? I don't have a private jet. I don't have a Bentley. I don't have a parking garage at the church. So I think you're safe. That's what I'm trying to say. But healing is one of those churchy things that, have, that has a stigma attached. We've seen guys on TV blow people over. Wave a coat, 45 people fall on the ground. We've heard stories about plants, getting, somebody getting paid $1,000 to ride in in a wheelchair. And the preacher's cued. He knows which one to call out, and he calls them out, and they roll up there all crying and stuff. And they get up there, I'm healed. Kick the wheelchair over. It happens. It has happened. And it, it gets to the place where it's, it's like you sell you some miracle water. Who's seen that guy on TV? Two ounces of miracle water for your one-time gift of $25. Go to the sink and get a glass and turn your water on. The water's got the same power as that miracle water. He's going to sell you from this miracle spring somewhere. It's sideshows. It's clowns. It's somebody trying to manipulate something that God meant for good and give it a name where some churches today do not talk about healing. They don't believe miracles happen today. That's what, see, where there's an authentic something, Satan is going to produce a counterfeit that will scare the real church away from what God really wants to do. And all that junk, all those sideshows, all those people that do all those crazy things, it's nothing but a dog and pony show to distract you from what God wants to do and to keep churches that possess some power from walking in that arena. Healing is crazy. I'm going to meddle if I, if I keep going. First and foremost, I believe, Scripture says, we're going to read again in a little while, but I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Scripture says about God. Amen. Jesus told the disciples, greater things than these shall ye do. Right? And Acts 2.39 says, for the promise is unto you and your children, and everybody is far off away, even as many as God shall call. So God's power hasn't diminished. It will never diminish. The only thing that changes is our attitude towards it. And when we accept what God wants to do in our life and we walk in that, we're going to see some stranger things. It's going to happen. There are two reasons why God heals people. Number one is to help us, to give us a better life. Jesus said, I've come in so you can have life and have it how? More abundantly. We have more abundant life when we're not sick. Amen? Amen. That's the first reason. The second reason is to demonstrate his power. 
We become a walking, talking testimony of what God can do in your life. When God heals us, when he takes care of what is bothering us. So what is healing? The clinical definition is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. The process of making or becoming sound or healthy again, that's what healing is. So let's go to the Old Testament. We're going to come through the Bible and we're going to talk about today. So what was God's relationship with us in the Old Testament? God for us. Who remembers? Come on, we've slept since then. God for us. Exodus 15, 26 says, He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring you on, on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Amen. Precedent set right there. I am the Lord who heals you. The Lord told the Israelites, I am your Healer. Let's look at a couple of examples. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, in her deep anguish. Who's ever felt anguish before? In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery. Who's been miserable before? None of y'all, right? Some of you? A couple of you. Maybe two. Look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. It's a Nazarite vow at the end. She couldn't have babies. And in that day when you couldn't have babies, you had a stigma. Let's give some background on Hannah. She was married to a dude named Elkanah. Don't name your kid Elkanah. Don't do it. You walk up to somebody, hi, I'm Scott. I'm Elkanah. You're going to get some side eye. Like, what? <laughs> Who is Elkanah? Hannah was married to Elkanah. And she couldn't have babies. And in the Old Testament, dudes had more than one wife. I don't know how. They did. And his other wife had a bunch of babies. And... Hannah looked at the other woman that had a bunch of babies, and the, and the lady that had a bunch of babies let her know, look what I got that you can't have. And she used that power over her to make her feel less than. But Elkanah loved Hannah more than the other girl. Even though she couldn't have babies for him, and his, his name would have died with her if he didn't have the other wife. Can't do that. Don't. One. There's one God, and we have one wife. But Hannah wanted a baby more than anything in the world, and she went to the temple and she prayed, and Eli saw her praying, and she was so, so much in anguish and so miserable about where she was, she was just muttering, and her lips were moving, but he couldn't really hear what she was saying, he thought she was drunk. And she was like, I'm not drunk, I'm just, I hurt. I'm miserable, and I want, I want this baby, and I can't have one, and she has babies, and she makes fun of me, and I feel, I just feel worthless. And he's, he's like, God heard your prayer go. And she went home and got pregnant. And who'd she have? That's what she was saying. She had Samuel. And she took Samuel to the temple. And Eli raised him in the temple. And Samuel became a, a judge and a prophet. Answered prayer. Strange things happening. God healed her. She had a baby. And he became a judge and a prophet. That's, that's what 
I am the Lord who heals you. That didn't make any sense. They didn't have in vitro back then. They had Engado. And he healed her. And she had a baby. Two weeks ago, I referenced Naaman. Who remembers Naaman? He was a leper, and he was a, he was a, a, he was a commander in the army of Aram, and, and he was a pretty important dude, and he's, he heard that, that Elisha was healing people, and he wanted to go get healed, and, and he, he asked for permission to go. Yeah, go, take all this money and, and gifts and stuff and go get healed. He walks up, and, and the servant came out of the house, and, and he's like, what's up? He's like, I'm naming. I want to be healed. He's like, hold up. I'll be back. Walked in. Came back out a little, later, little, little while later. The prophet said, go dip in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Offended him. He is the commander after all. He's like, doesn't he know who I am? God's solution offended Naaman. You might not get it the way you want it. But he'll still do it. If you'll listen to him. What did Exodus say? If you obey my commands, I will heal you. If we live our life like we know we're supposed to live our life, and we're submitted to God, and we do what he says, he will take care of us. He'll provide for us, and he will heal us. And Naaman's Naaman's servant said, Master, listen, if he told you to go do this great conquest, wouldn't you do it? Of course I would. Back all stiff. He's a commander in the army. And he's like, well, this is a small thing. And I used this reference two weeks ago, but the Jordan back then was like telling somebody to go dip in Back River. You don't want to do that. It's nasty. That's where the stuff comes out in the water. It's dirty. So Naaman finally got himself under control, and he got humble, and he's like, yeah, this makes sense, I guess. And, and he went and dipped in the water seven times, and he was healed of leprosy. So here's what happened. Remember our two reasons? What are they? Better life. God's glorified. Right? In 2 Kings 5.15, Scripture says this, Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. The end result is exactly what God ordained. It didn't happen like Naaman thought it would happen. It didn't happen immediately. Naaman's was a process. We don't like processes either. Do we? We want it, and we want it right now. And if it doesn't happen right now, sometimes our faith just goes in the toilet. And we're shaken, and we're, we're messed up. But Naaman's, it, it, it may have been quick seven times, but it was still a process. It's still symbolic. But that was in the old, I am the Lord who what? Who heals you. That was in the Old Testament. And God's relationship was God for you. Now let's move to the New Testament when Jesus was here. And what's his relationship now? God with us. There are about 31 recorded healings by Jesus. And that's not all of his miracles, but it's his healings. We'll cover a few. I'm not going to go in depth here, but I'm just going to tell you some. He healed a paralytic man at Capernaum. He was paralyzed. Jesus healed him. Matthew 9. The blind man at Bethesda in Mark 8, Jesus healed him. The woman with the issue of blood, Jesus healed her, Matthew 9. A leper in Galilee, Matthew 8, Jesus healed him. You get the point. God with us, healing people, changing lives and demonstrating, giving the people better lives. If you're blind and can see, that's a better life. 
If you can't hear and you can hear, that's a better life. If you can't walk and you can now, that's a lot better. Giving people a better quality of life while demonstrating his power and making them a walking, talking testimony of what God can do. The two reasons. You get the point. So Jesus now, I'm going to heaven, I'm going away, and disciples are freaking out because you, you see, if, if you think about it longer than 30 seconds, you could see how they'd be freaked out because God is with us. I see him. I can touch him. I can talk to him. He's, like, I see him. And they're freaked out thinking all this is going away, but Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit, the comforter. Go wait for it. It's going to come. And it fell in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit fell, that was it. And the transition happened again. God for us, God with us, God in us. And suddenly now, the power that was represented in the Old Testament, God for us, the power that was with us in the form of Jesus was now in us. We walk around and talk and exist with God in us. That should scare some of us. Just messing with y'all. No, really, it should. Does Jesus want to go where you've been going? That's a different series. So we look after the Spirit fell. All through the book of Acts. Healing, healing, healing. Remember greater things? Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than what, you're, than what I've done right now. That's what they began. The Acts. Not A-X. A-C-T-S. Acts of the apostles. They're, they're demonstrating. They're walking in the power that was given to them. But that was a long time ago. It's like 2,000 years ago. Can it still happen? Of course it can. Hebrews 13, 8, I referenced it earlier. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That settles it. That means what happened in the Old Testament and what happened in the New Testament can happen in this Testament. Does that make sense? Right now, today. Am I freaked out? Am I excited? Faith comes by hearing. You've heard what God did in the Old Testament. You heard what, what He did through what, what, what Jesus did in the, in the New Testament. You heard what you've heard some of the things his, his apostles did in the New Testament. But show of hands, who knows without any doubt you've been healed in your life? You've been healed. God has cured you of something: a cold, a headache, cancer, diabetes. Y'all missed that. But faith comes by hearing. I, 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 there's a series coming in February. <laughs> I've referenced it a couple times. You don't want to miss one week in February. You shouldn't miss a week ever. But you don't want to miss one week in February because it's crazy things. You're going to hear crazy things. You think stranger things are fun? This is going to be better. It's not called crazy things, but February is going to be amazing. As is November, December, January. But I'm really pumped about what's going to happen in February. When, when I was a kid, I was little, in, in, in the late 70s. Yeah, I'm 45. Um, my dad got sick. He had a heart disease. And he was given five years to live. And I was little. And they're like, you got infection in your heart, around your heart. Well, there's no cure for this. We can't fix it. And... If you know my dad, he, he is like a, a 14 to 16 hour a day worker. Still. He's not dead. Just FYI. That was in the 70s. And he's now in his 70s. And he's still, he went to the doctor. He has a, 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 he still works a lot. 
He works hard. I'm trying to wean him off that and get him to slow down and enjoy life a little bit, but he's got a, a torn ACL on his knee that won't get fixed, and he's got a hernia he won't get fixed because he doesn't like doctors and doesn't want to have surgery. So he, he lifts granite and stuff and tombstones and stuff, and it's just heavy work and hard work, and he still does all this stuff. And he went to the doctor for this, this her, to get this hernia checked out, and he's, how old is my dad? He's 71. He'll be 72 January 1st. My dad and my father will have the same birthday, New Year's Day. How weird is that? So he's going to be 72 this, this coming January 1st. And he went to the doctor, and, and the doctor said, Hmm, you're in really good shape. He said, I don't see many 71-year-olds like you. And that may, that's funny, but this is the guy that was supposed to be dead by 1982. And he, I, I gave you that reference point for this. My dad couldn't work for over a year. And we were on food stamps back in the day when food stamps you got in a booklet that you tore out. Anybody? Y'all know a little bit? <laughs> I didn't think anything about it. I was too young to know what was what. And we'd go to the grocery store and mom was tearing out the... I'm like, mom, those are cool. She's like, no, they're not. <laughs> But he couldn't work for over a year. And if you know my dad, that's probably the worst thing you could ever do, do to him is to make him not be able to work and provide for his family. And, he, and man, every time we hit church, he got prayed for. Sometimes before church, sometimes after church, sometimes during church, he'd get prayed for. And nothing happened for a year. And he was just, he was wasting away. And he said one, one night, it was, I think, a Sunday, we had Sunday night church back then. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night. Four times a week. Different era, right? So on a Sunday night, we went to church, and my dad said, I I just felt like I should go get prayed for right then. So he went to the pastor's study and said, will you pray for me right now? And he's like, sure, Rodney, I'll pray for you. And dad said when he touched him on the head, it's like an iron went in, in, in his chest. And he went to work the next day. After a year of, of, of misery... Hannah, of anguish, Hannah, he went to work the next day, and he said he showed up, and he, in, the, in those days, he was a bricklayer, and that's hard work, too, and y'all know, and he said back, back in the day before he got sick, he would, like, have a whole wall to himself, that's just how he worked, and he said he showed up, and they knew he'd been sick, and, and, and they gave him, like, a three-foot section, and he's like, I had it done, and was standing watching him, and they gave me four feet. And then they gave me six feet. He said, then they gave me eight. And he said, then they just moved another wall. <laughs> and because of that moment, because God heard the, the anguish and the misery that my dad was crying out, I, I've still got a dad. And that's, that's pretty cool. Amen. So that's, that's what God can do. And, and that was in, in the late 70s or early, I don't know when it was. I was a kid. So that's, that was then. And, you know, when, when I, was, I was born, I was, I was really sick, and I was, I was like the, the kid that had needles in his head and stuff. And I was just weak, and, and I had asthma, and I had allergies, and I, had, I was that kid. I was. When I was in elementary school, I had to leave early to get an allergy shot. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. They injected me with, with mercury or something. I don't know. But I was that kid. I was the sick kid. And, and the doctors, I was in the hospital a lot when I was first born. And the doctors told my parents, he's going to die before he's 12. And then when I got to 12 and I wasn't dead yet, they said, well, if he makes 30, 
it's going to be a big deal if he sees 30. I had asthma pretty bad. But I, I don't have asthma anymore. So I, I, was, I, I became active, and my, my parents prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed all the time. They prayed for me. My dad, my dad prayed for me every night, so I pray for my kids now. But he prayed for me every night, and, and I began to be able to run and play basketball and do this and do that. And it, it, was, it was the power of God. It, it didn't happen in a church service. I could do this, and then I could do this. And then I was able to stop taking allergy injections. And then this happened positive, and that happened. And then I could run. And then I joined the Marine Corps, and I ran like a fool. <laughs> I didn't die. I'm 45, and I'm not dead. Why? Because God is my healer. <clears throat> That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Megan's here today because God is her healer. Pam's here today because God is her healer. Yeah. Y'all, y'all don't know, but I was at the hospital when they gave Pam three months to live two years ago or three years ago because she had cancer, aggressive cancer so bad. But she goes for scans and checkups, and guess what? There's no cancer anywhere in her body. Amen. Why? Because God is our There you go. Mimi's here today somewhere back there. That's Pastor Andrew's mama. What year? Ten years ago. 2010. Seven years ago. It's been a minute. Don't ask Andrew. It's been a minute, but she was diagnosed with aggressive melanoma. What did they say? Eight weeks, 12 weeks? I saw her yesterday morning, and she said, did you hear about my checkup? I said, no. She said, I'm clean. Still. Still. Why? Because God is our healer. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As long as we live, as long as any of our generations live, God is the same. His power doesn't diminish, and we can't back away from it because it's, it's crazy in other places. Because people make a mockery of it, we cannot back away from it because He wants to heal us. I am the Lord who heals you. I believe God can heal anything. Sometimes it'll be miraculous, it'll be instant, and other times we'll be like Naaman, it'll be a process. When I was like nine, I had mumps really, really bad. You know, when your neck swells up. Bad things happen with the mumps. And I was sick for days and days and days and days, and I, I didn't eat, and I was wasting away, and my dad came in one night, and he was like, do you believe? <laughs> if you know my dad. Do you believe? And I'll get to that in a minute. I'm like, you know, I'm laying in bed. I'm like eight, nine years old. Of course I do. I'll say whatever you want me to say. I want to get better. He puts his hands on my neck and prays for me. My neck goes down. Right then. Not two days. Not a week. Right then. So I believe God can do anything. I believe he can heal anything. It doesn't matter what it is. He can heal a sniffle. He can heal a headache. He can heal sinusitis. He can heal diabetes. Gout. Arthritis. 
sugar, and yes, cancer. He can. He can heal oppression. He can heal depression. He can heal anxiety. He can heal anger. See, we think about healing and we think, oh, I've got a headache, I need a healing. But he can heal anger and he can heal bitterness and he can heal insecurity. He can heal anything I can feel. Why? Because scripture says that we have a high priest that felt everything I feel. He felt anger. He felt helplessness, hopelessness. He felt depression, anxiety. Every emotion that I can feel, that I can quantify, Jesus felt it, and he took it on himself to heal. But what happens when he doesn't? That's tough. And it went from excited to ooh, because sometimes he doesn't. I know that he's my healer. I have this. Believe that he will. Believe that he will. Believe that he will, but trust when he doesn't. That can be one of the hardest things that you will ever do because sometimes he won't. And I don't pretend to know God's plan. I don't pretend to know the way that he thinks. I, I know that he is my healer and that I will trust him. And sometimes it'll be like when I had the mumps, and it'll be like, boom, my headache is gone. Or I feel different, or I feel this weight that's been lifted. But sometimes I won't feel any different the first time. Or I won't feel any different the second time, or the third time, or the fourth time, or the fifth. And sometimes I may feel worse in the process, but sometimes it is a process, and it doesn't mean that he said no. You don't know that he said no until you know he said no. And that happens sometimes too. I, I told you weeks ago, my, my mom didn't get healed. And, and that, can, that can be tough, but at the end of the day, it is tough. A couple times a year, I'll pick up the phone to call her. And it's been 12 years this November. Can you believe that? 12 years. But I do know this, that if I seek him first, if I'm seeking his righteousness, that all these things will be added to me. And like he said in Exodus, I am the Lord who heals you. Here's why, here's, here's why I am with this today. I believe we carry sickness that we don't need to. I believe we carry sickness that we don't need to. I don't believe our first reaction to a pain or to sniffle should be ibuprofen or NyQuil. I believe some Matthew 6.33 will fit nicely right here. See God first. And don't twist this. Don't, don't do that because I reference those two medications because they're my go-tos. <laughs> I have ibuprofen in my medicine cabinet, in my backpack, and in my Jeep. <laughs> I keep two bottles of DayQuil and one bottle of NyQuil in my cabinet. Why? They're my go-tos. Got a sniffle? Is it daytime? Dayquil. Is it nighttime? Need to sleep? Here's some nightquil. I'll be the first one under the bus today. Seek God. For, so don't, don't, say it, I'm, don't, say I'm, don't leave here saying that Pastor God said, don't take medicine. No. I'm just saying that we should take a step back for a minute, and instead of reaching for the bottle, reach for Jesus. 
Because when we seek him first, stranger things are released into our life. And we give him more room to operate. And we can experience his power and what he wants to do. i got to hurry. In our life. I'll be the first one on the bus. I, I like NyQuil and DayQuil and, and ibuprofen. When Isaiah prophesied about the birth of Jesus and the life of Jesus, it was seven, about 700 years before Jesus came. And what did he say at the very end of his prophecy? He said, and by his stripes you are healed. 700 years before the man was born, before his ministry, before his crucifixion, and he prophesied this. And then in 1 Peter, it says, who, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, referencing Jesus and the crucifixion. That we, being dead to sins, we're seeking first the kingdom of God, we're seeking his righteousness, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So if, if, I'm, if I'm dead to my sin, if I am living a repented life, if I'm seeking first the righteousness of God, by his stripes I am healed. I am the Lord who heals you. That's what he told Israel, God for us. Jesus showed it to us when he was God with us, and now we are the embodiment of that, and God in us. Amen. Today, everybody say today, today. you can be healed. And this is going to freak some of y'all out, but that's okay. I don't care. It's the power of God. You can be healed. It's stranger things. You, you may be suddenly and miraculously, you, you can be suddenly and miraculously healed today. That's a mouthful. That's a brainful. That's a miracle. That's stranger things. That can happen for you today. Or you can have a process started in your life that leads to your healing. Your healing may be a process. I don't know. But some of us need to decide today to change our mindset on healing. And instead of just being sad, instead of just being in anguish, instead of just having anxiety about it, let's, let's go to God about it. Let's just see what will happen. You've heard stories today from the Old Testament, from Jesus walking, from, from the apostles, from me. There's other, I told you stories of people in the room who should not be here. But guess what? Here we are, because God is our healer. Amen. we got to start a process today of breaking down the compartmental walls in our lives and let Jesus out of that church box and let him into every single stinking part of our life. Hebrews tells us to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We can't use the excuse, it was just in Bible times. I've dispelled that all to pieces today. That's, that has no water, no legs to stand on. Scripture says if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed that you can speak to your mountain and it has to move into the sea and be gone. Amen. That's a pretty good promise. That verse goes on to say that nothing shall be impossible to you. Who likes that? Yeah. Nothing will be impossible to you. Matthew 9, 29 says, Then he touched their eyes and said, I like he said their eyes. That's more than one. <laughs> this is Jesus. He touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. I am the Lord who heals you. Same promise he made to Israel is still available to us today. I am the Lord who heals you.
according to your faith. Let it be done to you.